All right, we're going to start with a scripture from Revelation 3. On the screen, this is one of the seven letters of Jesus to one of the churches in Revelation. Laodicea is a city in what we would now say is Turkey, but they called it Asia Minor at the time. And uh, Jesus is speaking to this church, and he says, These things, says the Amen and the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture for anybody who's grown up in the church. I cannot possibly even begin to guess as a kid growing up in church, how many times I heard this scripture preached on and how it was always presented is that Jesus would rather us be hot and fiery and full of passion and following him with our full heart or just go cold and be dead and leave and get out in the world because Jesus doesn't want a half-hearted Christian. I'm here to tell you that is not what Jesus said. I, I had a man come up after first service with misty eyes, and he was physically quivering as he told me, this verse is why I left Jesus for so many years of my youth, because my pastor told me if I wasn't going to be all-hearted, then I should just leave, because Jesus would rather me be cold than lukewarm. And he was physically shaking as he told me. that He said, I have avoided that passage all my adult life, because as a kid it was so terrible that Jesus would rather me be cold and dead than a half-hearted Christian, so I just quit. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said it's good to be cold or it's good to be hot. It is not okay to be room temperature. So what does he mean? Well, I need to give credit where credit is due. I got the original idea of this from Steve Thompson, who used to be one of the pastors at Morningstar Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. 10 or 12 years ago, I heard him preach on this passage, and the part I'm about to do here at the beginning is, is from him. Let's look again at what Jesus says. Jesus says to this church that is this famous lukewarm church that really isn't alive or on fire. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. First thing notice he does not say is, hey, church, I see your passionate worship. I hear your loud prayers. I know your feelings about me. Notice, he says, I know what you do. Hello. He says, I know your works. You have a reputation. He goes on to say, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're not. He says, I know your works. He sees through our religious posturing, even trying to look fiery. And he says, I know what you're really doing with your life. But he says, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. But because you're Luke temperature, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. What is it that Jesus would rather us be hot or cold, but not lukewarm? And I was thinking, what is an example of something that is good when it's hot and it's good when it's cold, but it's not good when it's room temperature. And I thought of coffee. I don't know why any of you like cold coffee, but I realize that some people do. I'm not a big fan of coffee, but I drink some. And we like it when it's hot. It's refreshing. And we like it when it's cold. 
It's refreshing. But room temperature coffee? Sick. Tea. We drink it over ice. We drink it steaming hot with lemon and honey. It's great. Room temperature? Gross. I thought of a shower. A cold shower can be really refreshing. A hot shower feels really good. A lukewarm shower, probably not so much. Who says goes in and says, I want to take a lukewarm bath? No, you either want a really hot, steamy bath, or you want a really cold shower to shock your system and wake you up. And it feels really good on a hot day to go in and take a cold shower. Jesus is not saying here, I would rather you be hot and fiery or just cold and dead. That's not what he says at all. It's That's traditions of men. That's preachers adding to what Jesus said. He did not say that. He said, I would like you to be cold. I would like you to be hot. I don't want you to be lukewarm. So the part about being half-hearted Christians, that's true. But let's look at my examples here. I have a glass of ice water and I have a pan of brownies right out of the oven. And yes, what you're smelling is part of my point here. I have this glass of ice water here. And I told Diana to fill it up with ice and then top it off with water, and already a lot of the ice is beginning to melt. That's maybe 38, 40 degrees, and the room here is maybe 72. And the air in this room, the atmosphere in this building, is continually, constantly working to melt that ice and make it the same temperature as the rest of the room. At a microscopic atomic level, if you know about physics and air currents and thermodynamics, if we could look at the right thing in a microscope, it's very small, but there's actually a lot of chaos and violence going on right here in the air currents. On the planetary system, we call those storms and weather systems and high pressures and tornadoes, but there's actually a lot of movement going on here as the world around it tries to make that glass just like it. It's putting heat into it, sucking the cold out, and it will eventually destroy that ice to make it just the same as everything else around it. The same room temperature is trying to cool these brownies off. These brownies came out at 325, and we have a 70-degree room, and the same world atmosphere is trying to destroy those brownies and cool them off. When they came out of the oven, they came out as they were, and, and it's happened. It's been happening since Sarah took them out of the oven a few minutes ago. We wouldn't notice it because it's happening so slow, but we, it's happening, and you would notice it by tomorrow that these brownies are drying out. The atmosphere around them is sucking out the moisture, and they're getting dry and hard. It's slow. You wouldn't notice it till tomorrow. But those brownies will get hard. And when Sarah brought them out of the oven, you smelled it. Ooh, chocolate. <laughs> Brownies somewhere. <laughs> Somebody's baking something. And as these cool off, they will lose their fragrance. The world will suck that fragrance right out of them. You could get your nose right in the pan and still smell them, of course. But the fragrance that they give off when they're hot and fresh right out of the oven is gone. The brownies walk into the room, you knew it. Everybody ought to know when you walk into the room, there's a believer with real faith in the room because you have the fragrance of heaven on you. 
and the world is continually working to suck the life out of us, to cool us off or warm us up, whatever it takes, to make us exactly the same temperature as everybody else. Don't be different. Don't speak out. Don't believe. Don't say. Don't think anything different. Be like us. And Jesus says, I don't care if you're hot or cold. Both are good. Just be different than the atmosphere around you. Because that is physically impossible. It is physically impossible. All of the laws of physics are against that ice remaining ice. All of the laws of physics are against these brownies remaining hot. It is impossible. But Jesus demands it. The only way to keep that ice ice is to keep it in the refrigerator. The only way to keep those brownies warm would be to keep them in the oven. If we do that, both of them are useless. Jesus says, you know what? I want you to be different than the world. And the way we will accomplish that is from the inside out. I will plug you into heaven, and you will remain the temperature that I have made you, even in an environment that is trying to destroy you. Do you hear me? A cold drink is refreshing. A hot drink is refreshing. A room temperature drink is gross. If I'm really hot in the summer and I've been working hard and I'm dirty, I will drink water no matter what. I'll drink lukewarm water, but it's a lot better with ice in it. You know, who wants a, yeah, who wants a lukewarm drink? We lose our refreshment. We're supposed to be different and shocking to the world because there's refreshment in that. There's life. There's flavor. There's a fragrance. So I'm sure it's true of you. I know it's true of me. I have a cognitive dissonance in my mind all day, every day, that I am at odds with the world. I am bothered or brokenhearted or angry or frustrated or sad or mulling over a problem of some sort all day, every day, because I don't fit here. There's a difference between what is inside of me and the world outside, and I hope the same is true of you. What difference do you feel? Sometimes I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders, not because I think I'm responsible for the world or even that I believe I can save it or even change it. I know that I can't. But sometimes the weight of sin <laughs> that I have to deal with is so heavy and so heartbreaking and terrible. And I notice that weight because there is a difference. Because there is a, there's a temperature difference between what's in me and what's outside of me. As a real believer that Jesus says you're either hot or you're cold, there, there is a certain peace that we can never, ever have. Do you hear me? We have real heavenly peace, but in this life, in this world, there is a certain peace we will never have. We will always be different than our environment. We'll always be different than the atmosphere around us. So we're never going to be comfortable. Because the definition of comfort is that I fit into my environment. 
I turn the temperature up in the house or in the car so that it matches me perfectly. That's comfort. Hello? Or I turn the shower or I turn the music or I... The most comfortable furniture is the overstuffed chair that when I sink into it, it matches my body and we fit together. And the two become one and I fall asleep. Ha. Oh, that's comfort. That better never ever happen with my heart and the world. That I just sink in and we fit together and I'm comfortable. There should always be something poking me that doesn't fit. If it does, I'm the problem. The world is continually working on us to shut us down, to turn us off, to say shut up, be quiet, change what you think, be like the system, be like the world, be like the rest of us, be mind-numbed robots, be comfortably numb. Be lukewarm. Be room temperature. And Jesus sticks us in the world like a bunch of air conditioners and flamethrowers. And we stir things up. What does it mean to be hot and cold? How can we do that at the same time? I mean, when the world is hot, be cold. And when the world is cold, be hot. Meaning the situation in your family or at work gets hot, be cool. Be a peacemaker. People want to get angry, or they're gossiping, or the family is screaming and yelling at each other. Be cool. In the atmosphere of heat, be a chilling effect. Hey, everybody cool down. No, I'm not going to gossip about that. No, I'm not going to go on strike. No, I'm not going to be angry about that. Be cool. When the atmosphere is cold, and people aren't caring about injustice or corruption, and people are just going with the flow, be hot, speak up, be loud, shout, be on fire. Be hot when the world is cold, be cold when the world is hot. Because we are out of place. We are cultural aliens. We are in the world, but we are not of it. And we do not fit. It's like an Inuit in Arizona or a Navajo in Greenland. You should look around at the world and say, I'm not in the right place. This is not my home. You ought to stick out like Audrey Hepburn in Elgin. <laughs> People ought to see you and say, you don't fit here. Like an Amish girl at a Lady Gaga concert. You ought to look around and say, this is not where I belong. Like a police officer at a Beyonce concert. You're like, why am I here? These people are not my people. You fit in this world about like Ted Cruz fits at a Bernie Sanders rally. It just, it's not our place. It's not okay. We don't fit. 1 Peter 2, chapter 11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Folks, we are aliens and strangers and the world is warring against our soul, trying to cool us off or trying to melt us down. It says you are too different. Shut up. You are too different. Be like us. 
The world is continually trying to dry out the brownies. Stay hot. The world is continually trying to melt the ice. Change what it is into something different. Stay cold. Stay refreshing. Stay alive. 1 John 2 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Luke 6, Jesus said, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. If the world's people are comfortable around you, there is something wrong. I don't mean that they should feel condemned or your anger, but they better feel a big temperature difference. Oh, Esther's in the classroom. We got to talk different. Come on. Ho, oh, stars here. Yeah, got changed jokes. Seriously. They should know who we are. They should feel the difference. And they should be uncomfortable cuz we're there to heat the place up. We're there to cool it down. We're there to cool it down. Whatever the case may be, we're there to change the atmosphere, not let them change who we are. Don't let everybody speak well of you. Jesus says, if everybody in the world likes you, I don't. Seriously. Combining those two verses, Jesus says, if everybody in the world likes you, you make me sick. In Romans 12, 2, in the message, it says, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, unlike the culture around you, which is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Oh, come on. That's a good word right there. Yeah. Don't fit into the world without even thinking, and don't let the world drag you down. Well, what does that mean? It means that you don't have certain movies in your house. It means that you don't talk about certain stuff. It means you don't watch Game of Thrones. You don't play Cards Against Humanity. There's internet sites you don't go to. There is a difference between me and the world. And that will show up in how we behave. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It is, and I can't be like that. All this opposed to those who are cluelessly comfortable that Jesus says that's the people I'm going to vomit up those who are claimed to be Christians but they're at home in modern culture and they really don't have this cognitive dissonance there isn't an internal conflict between them and the world systems whether it's finance or government or art or morality or education or healthcare or religions or ethics or justice systems or whatever they're just they're just living life and they don't notice any difference between them and the outside world even though they would claim to be a christian and in the church jesus says i want you cold or hot i want you different than the world around you don't be lukewarm don't be room temperature like the rest of the world so some of you would now you would say well mitch okay so jesus is really cool with me because i'm mad at the world all the time the stupid stuff that happens and the ignorant people I have to deal with, yeah, I'm different. I definitely feel a conflict in me and the people out there. 
I just want to I just want to add this. There has got it's got to be more than some uh, political or personal difference. There, the difference that Jesus demands is not a different human philosophy or even a worldly answer at all. The Church of Jesus Christ does not represent any earthly philosophy or a political agenda or an economic goal. We are not a political party. We are not a club. We are not a community betterment organization. We are a foreign nation. The Bible calls us the holy nation three times. We are a foreign people. And we're not of this world. We are in it, and we're in physical, human, earthly bodies, but we're not earthly. We're not even first and foremost Americans. We are citizens of heaven. We represent a spiritual nation. And we love our country, and we want peace, and we want people to prosper and be blessed. And, but we have a home that is not anywhere on this planet. <laughs> Our home is in heaven. So some of you would say, yeah, okay, I know there's a big difference between me and the rest of the world because I see problems and I see this and that and I'm angry about this and I'm disturbed about that. But I would ask you to go count your Facebook posts. How many are about Trump and how many are about Jesus? Or Sanders or Cruz, pick your poison. Whether you think Sanders or Cruz or Trump or name whoever is going to fix America, you're still part of the problem. That's still the world system. Jesus is our Savior, not Bernie Sanders and not Ted Cruz. They have some answers to some problems, but Jesus is the answer to all the problems. He is the only answer that will actually work. But dang, if you aren't real brave about campaigning for your favorite person, but you would be really nervous to post Jesus. The difference that Jesus expects is not a liberal versus conservative or a uh, Christian versus the world difference. It is a heaven versus earth difference that he expects. Out of the context of the world altogether. So somebody would say, yeah, Mitch, I'm hot. I, I'm hot. I hate this liberal place. But then you fit in really well with the Republicans, which is just another world system. And so some of you would say, you're right. I hate the Christian right. It's just a politicized, militarized, false gospel, so I'm going to be a Christian socialist. You better not fit in there either, because that's completely false. It's a counterfeit. It's a fraud for the real kingdom of heaven. And you've fallen trap into just another human system that is the world. You know, Bernie Sanders makes perfect sense if you live in Bernie Sanders' world. And Ted Cruz makes perfect sense if you live in T Ted Cruz's world. And Trump, Donald Trump makes perfect sense if you live in Donald Trump's world. But how about if you live in Jesus' world? <laughs> You can see that none of those three, or anybody else, I don't hear anybody he claiming Hillary's going to save anything. If you live in Jesus' world, you can see the utter failure of the whole thing. It's all a fraud. I'm not talking about American government, just the politics of it all. And people believing that we can fix it outside 
of the kingdom of Jesus. There is no worldly solution. The zealots of his day, when Jesus came, they were Jews, Hebrews, who hated Rome, and they wanted a political power Messiah. And they firmly believed, scripturally, that that's what was coming. That there was going to, God was going to send a Savior who would fix the government, who would set them free from the corrupt empire. Well, how many Christians is that in 2016? They politicized Jesus. The Pharisees thought that the Messiah was going to come and make everybody perfectly righteous. He was going to set up a religious power system and teach everybody the laws of God and enforce heaven on earth in morality and religion. The poor were expecting an economic savior. The Messiah is going to come and everybody is going to have everything. And Jesus came along and said, I don't, I'm not doing what anybody tells me to do except my father. Because you can't put him in a box, you can't label him, you can't fit him into your club. In John 5 he says this, most assuredly, I say to you, the Son cannot do anything of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Where the world was hot, Jesus was cold. He chilled out the zealots real fast. They're like, yeah, the Messiah is going to fight Rome. No, I'm not. Chill out. Where the world was Cold, he was hot. Told the Pharisees, you are a bunch of icy-hearted snakes. And I'm here to make you really mad. Because I'm hot. <laughs> and you're not going to like me warming you up. Can't package Jesus. Say that we're a Christian. And then push our earthly agenda against some other earthly agenda and call that being hot. Soren Kierkegaard says that purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity of heart is to desire or want one thing. And that was Jesus. He had all these people with their expectations. The crowd coming for food, the miracle seekers coming for revival and miracles, the political people, the zealots coming for politics, the Pharisees coming for their religious systems, and there's all these systems, and everybody wanted Jesus to join them, and Jesus said, I only care about one thing, and that's my Father. What does he tell me? What does he want me to do? And his Father said, I want you to die. And he said, all right. I'll do it. Today, there's people who think Jesus came to, to end poverty or to bring world peace or community betterment or freedom in government and all this stuff that we people work for. And Jesus gave it all up, actually, to die. And in him, there is peace. And there is freedom from poverty. And there is the answer to corruption and injustice. And in our hearts, he said, the kingdom of heaven is in the hearts of men. 
It is, he said, do not look for it in the halls, meaning the halls of justice. It won't be there till I come back and sit on the throne. He said, when he said, he said, don't look for it in the inner rooms. Don't look for it in the halls. It is in the hearts of men. And we have way too many Christians working to try to improve the world instead of save souls. You've heard me say it over and over again. As people get saved, the world will change. But changing the world will not save any souls. We can do all the soup kitchens we want to do, and the people will come for the free food and leave, just like they did with Jesus. We preach the gospel, poverty will end. Because he said so. Preach the gospel to the poor. Kierkegaard said, purity of heart is to will one thing, and that is Jesus. I will, I will only do what my Father says to do. That is all I care about. And as he obeyed, God took care of everything else. All the other answers that people wanted out of Jesus, they were in the cross. And he went there and he did it. But so often we want Jesus and something else. Some of those things are obviously bad. There are people who call themselves Christians. They want Jesus and alcohol or Jesus and pot or Jesus and naked women. And, of course, that isn't going to work. That's, that's hypocrisy. But some of the things we want really aren't very bad. I want Jesus and a big house. It's not a sin to want a big house, but if you let it in your heart, you all of a sudden have something else to care about, and the brownies get a little cooler. I want Jesus and my Second Amendment. I want Jesus and my welfare check. I want Jesus and I want to watch Game of Thrones. I want Jesus and a successful career. I want Jesus and I want to play a little bit. I want forgiveness and sin. They were cool that way. I want to go to church, but I don't want to care. I feel good when I'm there. But don't make me burn, because that hurts. Some of those things are good. Some of them aren't. But if we divide our heart, if we become double-minded, is the Bible word, if we divide our heart, it melts the ice just a little bit, because you've let the world in, and there's a little bit of a change. There's a little bit of an effect. Of course, as we make Jesus our sole priority he gives us very good things he wants us to have nice things he wants to have a family and be at peace and all these things that other people try to live for but we find them in christ not by chasing after them in addition to christ james 4 8 says draw near to god and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded back earlier in the book in james 1 7 and 8 he says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways that man should not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. These brownies have cooled off a lot by now. And as the world, I mean the atmosphere in the room, as the temperature of the world begins to continue to work on them and they lose their heat and they lose their moisture and they lose their fragrance, they won't know it. They just sit there in the pan thinking they're brownies and they'll turn into hockey pucks. 
How many people in the room right now, in any church, in any given city in America, think, I'm a Christian, but because they have so many other priorities, because the world has worked so much over on them in their finances and in their marriage and in how they discipline or not their kids, the choices they make with their time, the things they put in their eyes, They think they're a brownie, but they're a rock. The ice is melted, and there's not really any difference at all between them and anything else. And somebody comes for a drink of living water, and it's, that does not refresh. Jesus said, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. As an old man, C.S. Lewis, one of the last things that he said or wrote, served the Lord for decades, and he's an old man, wrote, he says, the sweetest thing was the longing. C.S. Lewis, as an old man, said the sweetest thing, speaking about his life, Looking back over the decades, the sweetest thing was the longing. There's a lot in just a few words there. I don't know exactly what he meant, but I know what that means to me. I know what I long for. It's not a death wish. It's not a hatred of the people of the world. But it is a very deep and profound dissatisfaction with life here with the world I hope that I'm obeying Jesus as he says don't love the world or anything in it of course that doesn't mean don't love the people of the world but it does mean to me that my heart cannot be divided my mind cannot be double and I I don't pretend that I got it perfect but I want to be single minded I want to live only for Jesus and as I do I will never ever be relaxed or at home in this world because it isn't our home I can't really ever truly be comfortable because comfort comes from matching our surroundings in temperature or in shape or in whatever As much as I know how, I want to be single-minded. I want to be hot. I want to be cold. (laughs) When the world is hot, I want to be cool. Everybody around me is panicking. I want to have faith and cool that down. Chill out, folks. Don't be afraid. Everybody around me is cold and numb and not caring. I want to burn with holy fire and say, wake up! Light a fire. Come alive. That's what it means to be hot and cold. Because the room is, the world is this. And we are sometimes here and sometimes we're here. But the same world is working on all of us to remove all of that. We got to be cool. And we got to be hot. Lord Jesus, thank you.
for your word. Thank you for your instruction to be hot and cold, to be different from the world around us. Lord, we don't want the atmosphere, we don't want the surroundings to dictate how we feel or what we do. We don't want the people and situations around us to stir us up into anger or gossip or fear or lull us to sleep and suck the life out of us. We want to be hot and cold for you. To be plugged in to heaven that we live from the inside out and we don't let the world suck us empty. Forgive us for wanting to be comfortable, for desiring sometimes to just quit. That it hurts too bad, it's too tiring, it's too hard to burn. It's too hard to be different. Forgive us for that, Lord. We want to be like you. We want to know you. We want to burn with your holy fire. We want to be cool in solid faith. We want to be your hot, fragrant brownies that diffuse your fragrance through the world and catches their attention and says, hey, something is different. There's something delicious about God. I smell it in this person. There's the fragrance of heaven on this person. Forgive us for compromising that and putting so much dirt in our eyes and in our minds and out of our mouths. Letting the world work its numbness on us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Send us out to be hot and cold for you. We love you and we praise your name. Amen.